and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 37th episode of the podcast for the week of January 21st, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome Seattle-based professional astrologer and paradigm buster Amanda Moreno of Aquarian Spirals to join me on the podcast. And we will be having a discussion on navigating the paradigm shift. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also now have a tip jar on my uh, energetic principles.com page. So if you feel inclined to show support that way, uh, that is available as well. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week now in her waning cycle as we come down from the total lunar eclipse supermoon that we had late Sunday night here in the Americas. So on Monday, Luna is cruising through the heart of the lion as she brightens the sign of Leo until moving into the mutable earth of Virgo on Tuesday evening. We attend the practical matters through the middle of the week until Luna moves into the balancing air of Libra on Thursday evening. She will hang out in this partnership realm for most of the weekend until she moves into the sultry waters of Scorpio on Sunday and where she will make her last quarter square. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it is quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, it seems like the planets are not letting up as we kind of kick things off with the tension-inducing Mars square to Saturn early on in the week. Yet right after the malefics do their thing, the benefics get together as Venus conjuncts Jupiter. Mars then trines Jupiter to put our desires underway, while messenger Mercury shocks us into awareness with its square to Uranus. And so this is likely to be a push-pull week as we swing from highs and lows. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Leo, and she will make a trine to Mars, a trine to Venus, and a trine to Jupiter. 
And so this is also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, so some of you will have it off. If you're in other countries, maybe not so much. Um, but this is a, a holiday here in uh, the United States. And uh, one of the ones that we should celebrate more than some of the other ones that are out there. So yay to MLK Day. All right, so of note, we have Mars squaring Saturn that day, and it will be happening very early on in the day, so most of this energy has probably been felt last week, but we do feel the effects still going on early in this week. So Mars square Saturn, what is that? Well, Mars is our focused action, you know, where we direct our motivation and our drive towards, what gets us kind of fired up and we're willing to kind of charge towards. Um, This can have an aggressive energy to it or it can have an assertive. There's kind of a difference there. Um, But keep in mind that it is that warrior-like energy, so it does uh, have to do with sometimes anger or accidents. So we want to be cautious. Um, but Saturn is also about cautiousness, and especially in Capricorn. Um, and so we have a square, which is when we're challenged by something, where intention or friction is taking place, or where events are basically swung into action. And so our drive is challenged here, but what is it challenged by? It could be that cautiousness that I just talked about. It could be uh, having to take responsibility for something or to create some structure or to devote ourselves to something and commit um, where we are driving towards the long term. And so basically when these two meet together, and I mean, I'm speaking personally here because I do have this aspect in my own chart. I was born with Mars square Saturn, so I know a little bit of something about it. Um, but this one's a little bit different because they're both in their, um, they're both in their domicile with Mars and Aries and Saturn and Capricorn. So they're, they're very strong. And so some of the things that can happen when the square meets is that we may be challenged by our need to move steadily and with caution because, you know, Mars in Aries, that might be difficult to kind of have more of that, you know, easy does it kind of pace. Um, And we may assert ourselves in some way where we get a little pushback or we're blocked or challenged, uh, maybe by an authority figure because it is Saturn in Capricorn. Saturn is authority. So, you know, when those types of things happen, irritation can arrive if something stands in our way. Um, Or we may be confronted in some way with our own perceived or maybe actual inadequacies. Um, And that can be a little rough to handle sometimes. Rough on the ego because Mars does play, can play into that ego energy. And so this in turn can kind of create fear in our lives that may block our path or because Mars is in Aries right now, perhaps we are actually kind of uh, breaking through those fears and we're able to stay uh, determined and kind of have a never give up attitude uh, that will allow us to push forward um, and really create something uh, tangible in our lives that we stick to. So, uh, you know, we we have some tests of our limits taking place here. And I'm hoping that we're all using this to our benefit so that we can push through old blocks that may have been holding us back. 
And so the bottom line for Monday is that we have a grand fire trine activated as the Leo moon touches down with Mars, Venus, and Jupiter. And we are likely to feel fired up, inspired, and ready to roll. But watch for going overboard, of course, for there is a fine line of riding the flame and being engulfed by it. Um, so, you know, just be aware. Yet there is likely to be an enthusiasm in the air. You know, we're talking about fire here. So no matter where that impulse may lead, this may be a great day to do, uh, you know, a vision board or, you know, take the impulse of that fire and put it into something constructive and productive um, into your life. That's why a vision board can be a great thing on Monday. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Leo and will move to Virgo uh, around 7 o'clock here in the evening in on uh, Pacific time. Uh, and on the way, she will make a trine to Uranus. So the aspect of note on Tuesday is that Venus will be conjuncting Jupiter. So Venus, that's our relationship planet, uh, where we open up to things in the world, you know, how we cultivate balance and harmony in our lives, and also looking at things of value and worth. And conjunctions are when we start a new cycle around something and where the energies merge and become one together. And so who is Venus merging with? Well, her other benefic partner, that's Jupiter, who wants to really push us forward and expand our world and allow us to grow in some way. And so, you know, they're meeting in Sagittarius um, and... Essentially, when these two come together, it really does embark upon a, you know, a place where we are opening up to a new desire, where maybe a new relationship cycle can begin. Um, and because it's happening in Sagittarius, you know, we're likely to feel rather good. Uh, and maybe we are more willing to experience things that are outside our comfort zones. We can open up to that uh, place we've never been before. Um, and it's quite possible that socializing will probably be in full effect at this time, too, where we want to connect with others. And so we are likely to be seduced by enthusiasm uh, for something or, you know, the desire to have leisure and adventure in our lives because Sagittarius does love to play. Um, but it's also possible for relationships to, you know, really move beyond uh, and start a new cycle of optimism uh, with this conjunction. So this could be a great day to hang out with friends um, and those we really feel warm about or inspired by. Um, and it's also quite possible that the muse will be speaking today as well. Um, so listen to whatever desires or inspirations seed in, especially if you are in um, an artistic uh, field of some sort. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that we have another day of riding the fire as Luna touches down with a late degree Uranus in Aries. Intuition is quite strong today and the energy is likely to be palpable in the air. We are likely looking for, uh, you know, we're kind of opening up to a sense of freedom. And because of that, there may be, you know, we may be restless if our conditions that we are in don't allow for that urge to manifest. Uh, so stay tuned in today because it's quite possible a message may come in that can awaken you or bring you into the flow of uh, an evolutionary force that is trying to push you forward in life at this time. Now, on Wednesday, we have some things going on, and it's all Mercury-related, which is funny because Wednesday is Mercury's day. Well, we have uh, the moon in Virgo, which is also ruled by Mercury. So a lot of Mercury happening on Wednesday. And Luna will make a trine to Saturn, an opposition to Neptune, and then a square to Jupiter throughout the day. 
And so the transits of note taking place is we have Mercury who will be squaring Uranus. Uh, Mercury will also be making a sextile to Chiron. And then Mercury will move into Aquarius. So let's start with Mercury square Uranus here. Because, you know, Mercury is about information. It's about how we perceive things, what we're learning, how we communicate to others. Um, You know, texts, phone calls, emails, news, you know, news coming in, the media. And so when we have a square, like I mentioned earlier, these bring tensions or friction or some type of events uh, or challenge our way. Uh, And with Uranus, you know, Uranus is the planet of the fast, unexpected change where we are awakened to something or there's a turnaround in a situation or a storm maybe comes in to kind of uh, liberate an influence. And so chances are we are we are challenged to raise the mental vibration here. Uh, and that can happen sometimes when unexpected information comes in to kind of provoke that energy to arise. Especially since both Mercury and Uranus are right now they're disposed by malefics. So we are dealing with something that can be a little rougher to deal with. And so the mind could be quite stimulated and likely to be fired up by uh, realizations coming through in regards to our goals and our personal integrity, because Mercury is still in Capricorn. Uh, Yet we will have to be careful not to communicate, um, you know, too quickly or in a rash manner, because Uranus can make us restless and ready to kind of uh, almost strike in a way. And so it's quite possible that news comes in at this time that shakes things up and brings some excitement to the air, whether that be positive or negative. But either way, there's a charge running through. Um, and it's also quite possible that these uh, whatever comes in is informing us of changes taking place or things uh, that we have planned not really going as planned. And then we are called to stay flexible, which can be, you know, mentally frustrating or can give us anxiety especially if we like to control certain situations because Mercury, once again, is in Capricorn. So this is likely to be a busy time um, where we we're probably operating from more of an intuitive sphere. You know, information just kind of comes in at lightning speed. So I would say be prepared to be restless, uh, prepare for activity, um, and the potentiality of being a little frazzled or scattered with your thinking or, you know, Thinking of people that you uh, <laughs> that you encounter as well, because basically our minds are going to be all over the place. Now, with Mercury also in a sextile to Chiron here, because Chiron is that uh, it can be that you know that opening of a wound or some pain comes in, like maybe we're triggered by information that comes in that like pokes one of our sore spots. Yet at the same time, Chiron has a very maverick quality too. So perhaps we are, you know, taking that, uh, you know, that kind of leadership energy um, of, or maybe not so much leadership, but innovative energy that can now come in with that square to Uranus and that sextile to Chiron. Uh, so maybe it opens up an opportunity to heal the mind and feeling balance. Um, you know, or if something does flare up our sore spot, then that is really, it's actually a golden opportunity to kind of go in and mine what that source of the trigger might be, you know, get to the root of the problem. Um, And it's also possible that our words or thoughts can, you know, heal today 
Or, you know, if we're coming from a place of compassion, of course, um, but they can also wound if we're not careful with them, too. And we are at the tested territory of Mercury at 29 degrees. Um, So these are tests taking place today. So we want to be able to basically transcend whatever test is put before us. Now, Mercury will then move into Aquarius uh, and will, will remain there until February 10th. And so where we were focusing on a lot of goals and more practical concerns uh, and security issues in our lives, now our minds are going to be on the future or how we can innovate our mental approach to basically the way our stories are now changing. And so the mind will be more detached and willing to operate in the realm of concepts and ideals, um, maybe rather than focusing on all the practicalities like we were doing before. And so there could be an air of optimism that comes in. But basically, whatever we were mentally initiating in Capricorn, we can now begin to stabilize as our minds are fixated, fixated and driven by that purpose. Uh, because it's Aquarius, you know, humanitarian is- interests may come in uh, and are likely to be all over the news. And we could hear of new technology or scientific innovations coming out at this time. And as Aquarius is one with the people, we are more likely to feel open to talking to anyone that comes across our path. We are likely to be more friendly, even if that's not normally our MO. And so community or being part of something bigger than yourself may be a subject of your mental focus at this time. So Wednesday, the bottom line is, is that Mercury is at the 29th degree and talking to two heavyweights that are also at critical degrees, Uranus and Chiron. So consider thoughts and communications to be tested at this time, particularly as a Virgo moon has us mulling over the emotional details. There may be a bolt of lightning that jolts us out of a rose-colored view or an idealistic notion that can't hold weight, yet if we are following practical dreams, this can be a very innovative day where we can push past old problems while making tangible fixes. Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Virgo and will move to Libra later on in the evening. Uh, And along the way, she will square Venus uh, and make a trine to Pluto, both very early in the morning, and then a trine to Mercury later in the day. And so we have no aspects perfecting that day, but the bottom line for Thursday is that today is likely to be a busy day with ideas and communications coming in, and the news stream will probably be quite active with that trying to Mercury on approach. Mental processes will go smoothly today, so if you have something that needs uh, detail, you know, needs your attention and your attention to detail, uh, this could be a great day to tackle that project. The day may go rather fast with a lot of little things to attend to, yet we can relax into the evening by attuning to what is out of balance and then taking the steps to harmonize those energies. Also, if a conversation needs to be had with a partner, this can be a good night to share because we have that trine to Mercury. Now, on Friday, the moon is in Libra and we will make an early morning trine to the sun and then a square to Saturn. It's like, ha, ha, (laughs) kind of. All right. So now we have Mars trining Jupiter that day. And so Mars, once again, that's our drive, you know, where we're putting our assertion and our action towards what we're focusing our energy into. And trines can be, you know, can be, they are, they're sudden, they're flowing, they rapidly develop things. We're just in the flow. Um, And Jupiter wants to just 
to move us forward. We're growing. We're expanding our world. We're expanding our beliefs, our understanding of what is. And so these two meeting together, which I find very interesting because Mars uh, met, squared Saturn earlier. So Mars squared a constricting planet where we had to pull back and deal with obstacles. And now it's trining with something that really wants to blow everything up and move everything forward. Plus, Venus was just there as well. So, you know, these two together were chances are we're asserting ourselves forward in an inspired way. We may have felt called to like just go with something and maybe there's just a general enthusiasm that is permeating at this time and it's causing energy to be quite high because Jupiter ramps up whatever it touches. And if it's ramping up Mars, that means energy is on, you know, is very high for the day or these surrounding days. Uh, and basically in these two signs, we may be motivated by our own agenda, you know, Aries, or and or the need for freedom, which is very Sagittarius. And so where Venus opened up to Jupiter, Mars can actually now act on that desire. So we were maybe sucked in by the muse, and now Mars is like, oh, I'm inspired by that, and now I'm going after it. So it's likely that we're pushing forward our own interests, yet we must temper them enough so that we are effective rather than going overboard. Uh, because Jupiter can take us there real quick. Um, so if you do have to take a risk around something, this could be the time to do so, provided you know you took that cautious approach of Mars square Saturn earlier in the week. Uh, but otherwise, we might want to watch for overstepping if we have not already looked ahead enough to kind of see the consequences that may result in that movement. So the bottom line for Friday is that we are likely uh, to wake up with a little bit of pep in our step as Luna trines the sun and things kind of, you know, they feel all right in the world. And we can prepare for a social day with our Libra moon uh, as we're probably going to want to connect more with others. Yet there can be a little bit of a gray cloud that comes in once Saturn makes that square to Luna. And we may be presented with an emotional decision that will need to be made in order to move forward. And with Mars and Jupiter trying to push forward that growth and that action and that movement, um, there can be some relating hiccups that kind of come about because of that, particularly with those in authority. If we have to deal with people that are above us in some way, um, I mean that hierarchically, not as people. <laughs> so just be aware of going too far as things can be kind of thrown off balance if we lose our sense of poise and grace at this time. Now, on Saturday, uh, there we have the moon still in Libra. She will make a sextile to Jupiter, an opposition to Mars, both very early in the morning, a sextile to Venus, a square to Pluto, and an opposition to Uranus. So the moon is getting around on Saturday. And so we don't have any uh, transits perfecting that day. So the bottom line for Saturday is that we have an active lunar day with many transits taking place. So it's possible that we are kind of seesawing to either ends of the scale within one day. And our emotions are still focused on partnerships and our relations with others, because this is a Libra moon, um, and particularly because Luna is making an opportunistic sextile with her ruler Venus. Yet later in the day, a square to Pluto and an opposition to Uranus is likely to stir up some instinctual material, uh, power struggles, or maybe control issues that we, were gonna, we are going to need to contend with. So connecting with others may be a little disruptive on a day like today, yet uh, whatever, you know, is kind of sh- 
shaking up or shaking out, you know, we're shaking out issues that are out of balance, basically. Uh, so if we were allow ourselves to do so and work through those, we really have uh, the ability to be enlightened in the process. Now, on Sunday, uh, we have our last quarter moon square in Scorpio. The moon will have moved to Scorpio, uh, and she will square Mercury and square the sun, which is our last quarter. And so last quarter moon at seven degrees Scorpio. And, you know, when the moon is in Scorpio, that is a position of her fall. So it's likely that we are really feeling significant changes um, that are really pushing forward at this time. Uh, we may even feel a lack of respect in some way, especially if the day the day prior, you know, we got in a little altercation of some sort or we were having something happen internal. And so this is potentially, a, you know, an emotional last quarter moon. Scorpio can be intense for a lot of people as a moon sign in general. And I've noticed when people are feeling it most during our lunar cycle is usually the Scorpio moon time of the month. So with last quarter phase here, we are having our crisis of consciousness, where we are likely challenged by pushing final emotional changes into gear. And as this is meant to be more of an inside job, do what you can to push through and make changes to your internal agenda rather than trying to affect the outside world, particularly if you have the darker emotions of jealousy or revenge rearing their ugly green heads. Yet I think a lot of us will be coming to terms with some inner intensity that has to be dealt with or that has yet to be dealt with. And for which we must consciously decide to push through and transmute that energy. So if you find yourself extra passionate or going quite deep on a matter, know that you're getting to the bottom of something that needs to be contended with. For once you square off with it, you'll be able to detach yourself from its influence. Listen to what spirit has to say and let whatever your sense be kind of guide you through this trip to the underworld. Because if we're in Scorpio, we're kind of going down. <laughs> um, because really, if we take that trip and go through that rabbit hole, we're going to find renewal on the other side. And so the bottom line for Sunday is, is that today may be a bit challenging as Scorpio moons in general can bring some strong emotional content to the forefront, particularly in relationships and collaborations with other people. And paired with last quarter, we can expect some intensity to arise. Our minds are likely to be detached and our emotions hyper-aware, so watch for disconnect between the feelings and the mind. If you have to have conversations with others, watch for being too far removed when it calls for more emotion uh, to be shown. Or it could be the flip side, where we are overly emotional when we need to detach a little bit. And because, like I said, this is a crisis of consciousness phase, it may be that internal process that is the most important. All right, guys. Well, you know, we have another active week on our hands as January is proving to be quite dynamic. Uh, and there are potential mind and communication triggers that are happening this week, yet there's also optimism and inspiration in the air. And so this week may be awakening. Uh, so essentially, let's choose to do what is best with the information that comes in. All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra something to our uh, weekly report here. And so this week I drew the King of Swords as the focus and the Death card as the grounding. And with the King of Swords as the focus, there may be a conflict that comes our way this week that is to be dealt with from a place of detachment, diplomacy, and personal wisdom. 
As he is also a solid decision maker, this can be a week where we come to a conclusion after careful deliberation. This is very much sounding like our uh, Libra moon in our Scorpio last quarter. So if you do have a choice to make or a conflict to contend with, demonstrate the maturity and experience of the king, and you can do no wrong. It's also possible that we will be talking about more philosophical or humanitarian issues, as his intellectual nature appreciates a good discussion around global matters. So be kind in action indeed this week, uh, while we also embark upon uh, an impersonal standpoint, you know, like the King of Swords can really detach and kind of step back. So if we were able to do that, I think we will be golden. Now, with death as the grounding, we are reminded of the late, great Sam Cooke and his words, change is going to come. Oh, yes, it is. And that week is here. We are turning a page in our emotional growth as we begin a new, excuse me, we begin anew this week. Um, So we're, you know, we're renewing our energy because that's essentially the death card. It's about renewal. So we don't want to be scared by it. We want to be... embrace the transition and that uh, new sense of livelihood that really comes with cutting, you know, what has decayed from our life. And it's probably wise to align with the King of Swords in order to embrace this transition as a welcome, necessary change, because the King does have that uh, detached, um, you know, can let it go. And so conditions are shifting as we move away from what has run its course, uh, and we are moving towards the promise of what the next chapter has to offer. So to quote another one of my favorite bands, you know, don't fear the reaper, (laughs) because really whatever is old and falls away at this time is leading us to the potential of tomorrow. So last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, The Crow. Our Corvid friend here is uh, telling us that magic is in the air this week, and it's uh, really as if we can kind of see the past, the present, and the future all in the space of one moment. We have this omnipresent view going on. And so there is a spiritual knowing that is seeding in us for us to align with, while we are also embarking upon the use of our own power. And as Crow lives high above us in the realm of the skies, it may be necessary to do some grounding rituals this week so that you can take this spiritual power and bring it down to earth. So daily meditation may be just what is needed to tune in and get crystal clear as our mind's eye peers into what has yet to be manifested but has great potential. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it'll interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, It's $6 a month, and you get a weekly spread that I create based off these astrological energies, and then you can pull the cards for yourself and use these kind of personalized card placements uh, to get more, to take what I'm saying here and really hone in on what that means for you. Um, And so I highlight a crystal each week and an inspirational quote, uh, and I just love doing them myself, and I think that the people that are signed up are having fun doing it as well, so I encourage you to check that out. Last week, we worked on liberating forces, and this week we will be working on I Will Survive. So if you want to find out more or to check out a freebie spread, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. 
All right. I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest, Amanda Moreno. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And Amanda and I have never met before, at least in person or via Zoom person. Um, but uh, we were referred to each other by one of our listeners, Richard, if you're out there. What's up? Where <laughs> I brought, more, I brought Amanda on uh, <laughs> because you said that, you know, there was a lot of similarity to kind of the things that we were putting out there uh, that maybe not all astrologers are kind of talking about. So I definitely wanted to have her on. Uh, but before we get started here, Amanda, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so just kind of following the astrology thread, I came across <laughs> I came across a poster when I was like 13 that was describing Aquarius in three paragraphs. And it was the first time in my life I felt seen by something. And so I kind of had that like loose grip on astrology uh, through my 20s. And then around 27, my Saturn return was kicking in and I was like, okay, so if I have to like really figure out what I want to be when I grow up, um, I guess astrology is what I'm going to follow. And I ended up getting a master's degree in depth psychology um, and focusing on how apocalyptic imagery affects the psyche and how astrological ritual can be used to navigate kind of like personal and collective rites of passage. So anything from like the death of a loved one or a relationship to what's going on in the world today. Um, and it was, I got to create the curriculum myself. It kind of just like the program appeared for the three years that I was in it. Um, and in that time I started practicing evolutionary astrology and I found, um, deep memory process, which is a cathartic past life regression therapy, uh, that Patricia Walsh, Walsh teaches. Um, so I started doing that and I really thought when I was doing that work that I was going to be getting a PhD from California Institute of Integral Studies, but uh, the universe has kind of sent me on a direct client work path instead. Um, so now, yeah, I do one-on-one -on -one sessions and I write and I teach, um, just trying to like help anybody who's interested in these kind of tools to use them with an eye on, you know, helping people own their own stuff so that we can try and move through the predicaments we find ourselves in collectively and individually. Mm, yes. And <laughs> there are plenty of predicaments. And isn't it funny how life just redirects you um, <laughs> towards, <laughs> you know, not always what it is that we're essentially going for or what we see for ourselves. But that doesn't mean that's a, a bad thing because, you know, obviously... I'm assuming you're very fulfilled with your work that you I am. Yeah. And it was kind of this amazing thing because I spent like five years just really focusing on um, Richard Tarnas's style of like archetypal astrology and studying, you know, social movements and things like that. And then I, and I was so passionate about this idea for the PhD. And then I went into this session um, in my deep memory process training and essentially learned that like I needed to be focusing on direct client work and came out of that session completely not feeling passionate about the PhD and really just wanting to do client work. And so it clicked really quickly. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, right before we got on, of course, we gave each other our, you know, big three or whatever, you know, just a, what energy we'll be dealing with here. Um, and, you know, we got Amanda, who's an Aquarius, and then a Scorpio moon. Um, and so it's interesting where the Aquarius was kind of coming out in that PhD work, you know, with the, the social, or excuse me, the collective element. Um, mm -hmm. But really that Scorpio moon and the kind of, the gifts that come through... Uh, 
that intimacy with other people. Cause that's really what client work comes down to is like, you got to be open and willing to be uh, there for another person to be heard, you know, to have them, you hear what they have to say. And it's, a, it's an intimate uh, work dealing with counseling on whatever level it is, whether it's astrological, psychological, um, you know, what have you. And so right. I, I think that speaks to your Scorpio moon a lot. Totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Scorpio moon really loves holding space for intensity. Mm, yes. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, if you have any Scorpio planets, any really, but m- the moon, the moon in Scorpio is a special placement. <laughs> um, it, it's true. There is just an intensity to life, whether it's something that is outside of you, it's usually something that is within you. And a lot of times you, uh, we have things that happen to us on the outside that will tap in to that, that intensity and that passion and that willing to like go super deep because mm-hmm. Scorpio ain't scared. For the yes. most part. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, we're not all impervious to, to fear. Um, but it's Scorpio will, you know, cro- cross the line or be able to, you know, g- blur those boundaries, but also be able to kind of put up the boundaries as well. Right. And so that's cool. So, ooh, I'm so excited to talk to Amanda. We're going to be uh, discussing navigating the paradigm shift. And I love this before we get started. I just want to talk about the name because originally like so much energy going on and I'm like, this should be navigating a crazy world. And I was like, what do you think, Amanda? And she's like, Hmm. <laughs> Let's look at that word crazy. Um, and you know, I really didn't even think about it, but then right when she said that, I was like, that's, it is interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about like maybe crazy and kind of like it, you know, it's the semantics of it, um, in today's world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think my process when I saw it is I'm just trying to be more mindful with my words. Um, the communities that I a part of are very aware of, you know, social justice issues and things like that. And one of the things I've noticed with myself is that I use the word crazy as a descriptor all the time. Um, and for people who are trying to kind of like destigmatize mental illness and mood disorders, um, there's kind of a push to look at other words to use, like intense. Um, and so it's just something I'm trying to be mindful of, especially like when I create titles for my own stuff. Um, and I think that there's so much there's so much room for that sensitivity right now. And sometimes people are like, oh, it's just words. It's just semantics. And it's like, yeah, but as we can see, as a society, we've been kind of like letting things slide for a really long time. And it seems like when there's an opportunity to just be more mindful about how we're using words. Yeah. It's an opportunity to take. Yeah. And well, and it got me thinking, I was like, well, what is, you know, cause the, the Mars and Gemini wants to look at definition then. I'm like, okay, so what is this crazy? What is this crazy? Because I can see how it can totally be construed as that, mm-hmm. you know, no one wants to be crazy or looked at like they're crazy. Um, and really what it led me to think about was the fact that especially in uh, more psychological terms, the word crazy is more deemed as a judgment of mm-hmm. someone right. and their behavior versus, you know, crazy, another crazy definition. fun. Cra- yeah, it's extreme because crazy is extreme, right. uh, essentially. It's an extreme swing of the pendulum in one way or the other because that's, you know, if you have a craze about something, obviously it's a fad, it's fanaticism. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it just got me thinking and I love when that happens. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, so, I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of the word reckoning because I've mm-hmm. been using the word reckoning in terms of the, the astrology of this year and the whole 2020 era. Um, and that word has so much of a loaded feel for so many people because it's associated with the Old Testament and Christianity. Um, but it's the only word a lot of times that I can come up with that conveys that sense of like sobriety and gravity um, but also the potential for like claiming responsibility and taking action. And so I've been trying to like deconstruct words like that so that I can start using them again. Yeah. It's, it's, well, not only it makes sense because especially if you're putting messages out there in the world, which both of us are doing, you know, mm-hmm. it's good to be conscious of what those words mean and what they can potentially mean to another person. Um, but it's, I really, well, I like the, the term that you used with reckoning. And uh, she wrote a fabulous uh, new moon uh, solar eclipse article um, that I'm sure you can probably find on your blog, right? Or yeah. on your website, which I'll have a link for on my own website. Um, but you did use that term reckoning, which is funny because I was just talking about deeming the word crazy as kind of a judgment. And when I think of judgment, I think of the judgment card in tarot, which in mm-hmm. itself is a bit of a reckoning when we kind right. of come to a call and it's just like, it's just because it, it, essentially that reckoning and why we may need to kind of push the fear out of it is that there is a sense of renewal that is there if we allow ourselves to reckon with, you know, the influences that come down. Absolutely. And that um, reference to the last judgment card in the tarot is a great one because um, my basic understanding of that card is that in, you know, traditions of tarot that I haven't really studied as much, it refers specifically to the movement from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And that was a major paradigm shift, right? Which is exactly what we're talking about today. It's the movement from like a wrathful God to a kind, loving and peaceful God. Although that's, you know, up for debate. Um, But it's that major worldview shift that has that feeling of like, okay, now there's time to kind of like take accounting for where you are um, and move forward accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, just to, to, to even define paradigm, because, you know, sometimes we use these words and we're like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, paradigm, noun, <laughs> need to know, um, is a situation in which the usual and accepted way of doing or thinking about something changes completely. And we're, we're there. Um, we're getting there. Uh, it's something that's there throughout and you know, life just in general, but we're in a very specific period of time, which is, uh, if we want to reckon with something, we should reckon with our, our space and time right now and what that means to not only ourselves, but, you know, humanity as a whole. And I love how you describe yourself as a paradigm buster. So can you tell us what that means? You know, I started using that term a long time ago, paradigm buster. Um, what does that mean? It is just kind of like, subverting the paradigm or bringing a context in that helps us understand like how we got to this place and how and why we need to change. But honestly, I kind of go back and forth between like paradigm busting and paradigm bridging because mm-hmm. um, there's such a difference in those, in the feeling of both of those. Um, and so... I think that that's part of, you know, you had said there's like looking at that moment in time and seeing where you're at, but part of that does have to do with looking at how we got here, right? So like one of the things that I often think about is 
you know, the last major paradigm shift, as far as I can tell, was when we switched from a Earth-centric model of the universe to a heliocentric one. And that took like two or 300 years. And in that process, people were burned at the stake as heretics. And, you know, the collective was just really, really resistant resistant to that level of change. Um, And so now we have a paradigm, which is kind of like a guiding mythology. I think it's sometimes it's really to think it's easier to think about in mythological terms. Um, And in Cosmos and Psyche, Richard Tarnas breaks it down into like two different worldviews or mythologies. There's the myth of the fall and the myth, myth of progress. And these are two mythologies that are just like underlying the basis of our entire culture um, in ways that we often don't question, right? So again, like even if I don't consider myself a Christian, so many of our institutions and structures are governed by Christian mythology, right? And so paradigms are often things that are super insidious to our cultures. They're, They're kind of like running things from underneath the surface and we no longer question them. We just assume them to be true. Mm. And so shifting out of that requires that kind of like wake up to like, what are my lenses? How am I seeing things? How does this make me biased? And then starting to change. Yes. And part of that change, and probably why we're talking about this to begin with is the, and I've obviously referenced this before, but much of this has to do with us leading up to this Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, um, which only happens, you know, every, uh, how many how many years? <laughs> Last time it happened was in 81. Uh, so, you know, do the math on that. It was a long time ago. Yep. Um, <laughs> Not working on that level right now. Um, But that's why we're talking about these things because when heavyweights like that meet, there are these great shifts um, in in happening in Capricorn to me, you know, Capricorn is a very societal sign. You know, this is the world that we live in. Um, And one of the first things that comes to my mind is, you know, how we take care of that because and and then also the systems that we work in because life is very systematic you know everything from how our day looks to how the government runs to how you know just the way we think about things and i think part of the paradigm shift actually has to do with looking at these systems and how um if they work any longer, are they going to conserve what really needs to be conserved? Because that's the thing with Capricorn too, is it has that traditional bent and is about conservation because Saturn likes, you know, to kind of constrict. But what are we conserving is the question that right. I'm wondering, because, you know, especially we see a lot of politics today, you know, we want to conserve the old ways or we want to be like in the 50s. And I'm like, I want to conserve the planet so that we can breathe in 50 years. Right. And that's, <laughs> It's that question of, is what we're conserving sustainable, right? Because Cap- a great Capricorn keyword is also sustainability. Um, and that's a really important thing to look at as well. I worked a lot with um, the works of Joanna Macy. Are you familiar with her? Mm-mm. So Joanna Macy, I think the website's like thegreatturning.net. Um, she is an incredible elder um, who talks about how this paradigm shift is like the shift from the industrial um, earth-killing society. Sorry, my brain isn't quite working that well, but into a life-sustaining, life-enhancing civilization, Mm. right? And so like the ways that we uh, rape the earth 
for lack of a better term, is exactly what we see happening to like human bodies and and all of our resources. Um, and so again, that kind of like Saturn conjunct Pluto and Capricorn reckoning question is very much like, is that sustainable? Can we have a life enhancing and supporting civilization with the way that we're running the show right now? Um, but that Capricorn guilt thing keeps us really stuck. Right. And so I was thinking about that Capricorn guilt thing actually when we were talking about whether to, you know, use the word crazy. Because I think I've, I usually think of the fixed signs as the stubborn signs, right? They're fixed, they're stuck. But Capricorn has its own stubbornness that is built, is based sometimes in, in denial and guilt, right? Like mm-hmm. I've been working and building this thing for so long, like I don't want to accept or face that I might have done harm or I might have done wrong. Um, yeah. And well, then there's that kind of like dig in that happens. Yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I can speak as a Capricorn moon that there is that, <laughs> there is that stubbornness that happens. But I think what that really comes down to, and we can really almost attribute that to a lot of earth signs in general, because earth likes to control. And we find ourselves... Uh, being stubborn, stubborn, stubborn if we are trying to control something to, you know, to some extent. And that's another issue of, you know, Saturn in, uh, in Pluto and Capricorn. Um, because some things are out, (laughs) some things we can control and some things we can't control. Um, and there's, we're kind of navigating that balance too. Um, so we'll, we will get into that. Uh, I mean, what are you, just in general with the, the current energy right now, because as we're taping this, it's actually the sun is squaring Uranus as we're taping this. We've got a lot of a pile up going on as we connect. Yeah. <laughs> but what are you seeing? Oh, like right now in this right eclipse now. window? Right now in this <laughs> eclipse window. I don't know. You know, it's been, I'm, I'm really anxious for the sun to get into Aquarius, first of all, to just give <laughs> hopefully a little bit of relief. And I'm anxious for that. Uh, I'm excited for that eclipse to take place and hopefully provide a little bit of relief as well. Um, for me personally, the past two weeks have been like work, 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 get everything done, done, get everything done. I mean, and that's true, I think, for an astrologer at the beginning of the year always. Um, but I hit a wall on Wednesday. And I'm just like, oh man. And so the energy to me right now feels like hyper-constructive in some ways. And I think that's partially Mars and Aries. Um, But also I can feel all of the emotions starting to move again. Um, And it's deep emotion. And it's also like looking back at the beginning of the Leo eclipse cycles that started in February of 2017, right? Because that eclipse cycle is ending with this eclipse on Sunday night. Um, and that kind of like... Leo, Leo is so fascinating to me because when I'm looking at the Aquarius-Leo axis, it's like... I think of Aquarius sometimes, evolutionary astrologer, in terms of like trauma and the ways that we dissociate. And we've been kind of moving through that collective trauma. And the Leo medicine is like, come into the heart, find the spark of inspiration, return to joy. But coming into the heart can be a really painful thing at times too, especially if you're used to being like in your head or analyzing emotions. Um, And so the energy of this moment, I'm just feeling that kind of like deeper grief swell up again. Yeah. Um, and it's, 
it's kind of exhausting when I still have all the Capricorn work to get done. <laughs> well, yes. And that really pays tribute to Mars squaring Saturn right now. And especially yeah. as this episode will um, air on Monday, we will have it exact at that point. So I think we're all feeling that because there is this thread running through where it's like, I've got so much on my plate. How do I get it through? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that too, we're also kind of testing our motivations. Like you said, with Leo, it is all about the heart um, and kind of coming back and pulling into that. But it's not always easy to follow the heart's path, mm-hmm. um, especially if there's work to be done. <laughs> That's one thing. Um, but also if there's you know fear or insecurity around what that might be. And a lot of Capricorn energy, and especially the South Node moving through Capricorn right now, um, and we'll have Saturn and Pluto conjunct that in April. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a lot of those fears and insecurities that are coming up that are are necessary in order for us to get closer to that center, I think. And that might be some of what is swimming around for people as we hit this eclipse and Mars square Saturn, we're going forward. Because if there's some things that we kind of forgot about or weren't fully in integrity with our heart, um, especially in our priorities or, you know, how we manage our time, what we're putting value in. Oh, that's going to come up, I think. And yeah. Well, and that all, I think, kind of combines with, especially for people who are paying attention to the world stage, um, people who are particularly sensitive, or even if they're not, like there is an onslaught of, of stuff going on that's just not good any way you slice it, right? And if you take out all the you know, current political stuff, there's still what's happening to the environment. And so finding that balance of dealing with personal, regular life stuff amidst a backdrop of what's happening with the environment and trying to stay positive. I mean, it's it's exhausting. And sometimes I wonder if we need new words to describe the emotions that that mm. go with that territory and being like and opening your eyes to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, what I've noticed in the past, you know, we all know there's some I love, we all know I love some politics, <laughs> not because I really even get like, <laughs> I just find them kind of fascinating mm-hmm. uh, us as political people. And it's always been that way as, you know, civilized uh, beings, <laughs> quote unquote, um, you know, there's always that hierarchical top of the chain type of thing. But what I'm noticing here, especially with our government shutdown that's been going on, is there's so many power plays being made. How mm-hmm. Capricorn is that? Yeah. So, I'm going to one up that, you know, you give me this, like, like Nancy Pelosi was all like, you're not going to have your speech address. And he's like, well, you're not going to go fly to your convention thing, you know? And it's just this like kind of, and yeah. It's wild. It's wild. It's wild. And I think, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the, you know, Uranus Pluto square, which, you know, okay. So Uranus square Pluto, approximately 2011 to 2015, um, if I just like whittle it down, it's like the Lord of Lightning Bolts throwing the lightning bolts down at the Lord of the Underworld. Um, and it was a lot of like shock and sudden upset and change, sometimes for the good, right, in that period of time. But we're just now starting to integrate it. And one of the biggest things that happened in that phase is that, you know, the veil was lifted. Yeah. Right. And I used to kind of think of like the veil being lifted as this like magical, mystical process that would be so beautiful. And I'm like, no, the veil has been lifted and we have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. It's more like Pandora's box is opened rather right. than like, uh, well, and, and I love that when you're saying Uranus meeting Pluto, because if we think about it, Uranus is the father sky and Pluto is the Lord of the underworld. And so we're literally caught in the middle 
of yeah. these two uh, warring against each other. So I like that. Yeah, and the Pluto and Capricorn, I mean, that very much is like the the status quo powers that be that have been working behind the scenes for so long. And now they've been totally exposed, mm. right? And mass consciousness is starting to kind of catch up with what's going on. Um, and it's intense. And I think that that's part of one of the, one of the things I've been working with as I'm doing like 2019 readings for people is I want to communicate the astrology in a way that is not scary, but is also not like uh, ignoring yeah, or avoiding or something. what's going on. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, so that's the Capricorn cancer axis as well. Is that like, what is the self-parenting process that has to happen? Cause we all have to start I think we all have to start engaging in that um, in order to do that acceptance part. Like, okay, this is where I am personally. This is where society is now. What are we going to do? And what am I going to do in that? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it can be so overwhelming yeah. <laughs> when you, when you, uh, <laughs> the veil has lifted and it ain't pretty. Um, and there's no going back for that from that because essentially your rawness is, um, and why it's associated with those lightning bolts is that enlightenment comes with it. You know, you're awakened to something. Uh, there is the need to shift the vibration higher. And there's no getting away from that because essentially uh, the foundation is crumbling and there's just no way of getting past that. And to go back to what you were saying earlier about the sustainability of it all, you know, that's really talking a lot about Uranus and Taurus in this next seven years that we're looking at too. Um, and when I think of Uranus and Taurus, one of the things I want to, you know, when we think we have no control in the world, where we're like, why is that guy doing that? Why is she doing that? This is, ah, I'm so frustrated. Um, I like to pull it back to like, okay, well, where do we have power here? Mm. One of the things we have the most power over, people don't seem to realize, and especially with convenience, because that's another Taurus issue, is the power of our money. Where do we put our mm. dollar? You know, where do you put your dollar every day? Because if that changed, you would see a lot of things change pretty yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, just kind of put that out there. Where is, what if, I had a good term for it. I was like, uh, put your money where your principal is. Because totally. My, when I was writing about uh, Uranus and Taurus a year ago, when it first went in, the tagline I came up with was embodying the change. Um, which I like the sound of, but also it is that like, okay, what are your two or three core values? Mm. And then how do you behave in ways that are in alignment with those core values? And, you, and you're right. Money is a, you know, it's a form of power exchange that we all have and can use. And sometimes it's easier than others um, to use it wisely. But it is a... if <laughs> For me, it's like, if I have to work within that system, <laughs> I'm going to pay attention to where my money's going. Yeah. And I'm just as guilty. Like I bought something on Amazon the other day, you okay. know, like I'm, I'm not trying to say that I got it all figured out, but every time mm -hmm. I make that purchase, um, and choose to do certain things, uh, with, with my money, but also with my awareness with things like waste, waste has been really on my mind and how much waste. And every time I throw something away, there's just this Capricornian guilt <laughs> that is like paying down, like, this is going into it, you know, yep. <laughs> this will be here forever. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like those types of things that uh, I think are really, we are becoming more awakened to, or at least I hope so. Um, mm -hmm. And that's within our control. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
Another thing I was thinking about looking at um, was the idea of the fact that we are just in a lot of waning outer planetary cycles right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just realizing recently that the... So we have three Jupiter-Neptune squares this year, yeah. right? Waning squares. I was just realizing that that was a cycle that started in 2009. And I remember... I mean, 2009, like I knew astrology, but I hadn't really started like focused studying on it. That was like a year out still. Um, And I remember hearing something about Jupiter conjunct Neptune, like seeding the cycle we're currently in and how that was really the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. I was at a cabin, I was in a hot tub listening to the radio or a podcast or something like that. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be so magical and wonderful. Um, And so as I'm working with that Jupiter-Neptune square this year, it's like, okay, how do I think back on the nine years? since that cycle started and everything that's changed, which is a lot. And specifically, how has it shifted my beliefs and truths, right? And where, where do I still have a little bit of my like rose-colored glasses on, um, which can sometimes be helpful and sometimes not. But that, all of those waning cycles, it's like the energy is just starting to like release again. And you can, I think that's part of that feeling of like, we're on the verge of something, right? Like yes. one thing is ending and the other thing hasn't quite started. And we're just in this like birth canal, which yes. can be a really interesting place to be. <laughs> Yes, we'll come out sometime, but for for now, we're still like gestating. It's gestating this last piece, uh, which is, uh, you know, I relate it to kind of the balsamic moon phase. There's a lot of release that goes in there, and hopefully, we've gained wisdom throughout the cycle. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of tested as well. But to go back to the conjunction that you were saying back in 2009, when Jupiter and Neptune originally met, uh, because we always want to look back to the beginning of a cycle because it really, you know, that seeding of energy is essentially this umbrella that the rest of the transits can basically, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they can act with an under, you know, there's this bigger type of thing going on and then they push forward their own agenda at certain moments that are of this overarching structure and Jupiter and Neptune, uh, and Chiron. I don't know if you work with Chiron or at all, all met at the same degree. I want to say it was 20, two degrees in, in Aquarius, somewhere around there, early 20s. And that just lit up the whole Jupiter square um, Neptune in my mind, especially yeah. around the collective issues and like in making progress in our world as a society and what needs to be done and where, like you're saying with the veil, where that veil may still be there and we're just not... Uh, anyways, that's... It seems so powerful to happen in Aquarius to me, and especially as Jupiter will eventually conjunct Saturn um, mm-hmm. in at zero degrees Aquarius as well. Right. And that's starting its own whole new cycle. Um, but thank you for bringing Chiron into that. I, I had forgotten about that part of it. And that, you know, Chiron is in its own kind of waning cycle right now as well in those last couple degrees of Pisces. Um, and that I think for a lot of people, I mean, so Chiron moves really slowly. It's been hovering between like 26 degrees of Pisces and the first couple degrees of Aries for a while now. Um, but it seems like Chiron through those last degrees of Pisces is very much about healing our separation wounds. And so that feeling of being, you know, cut off from God, cut off from source, cut off from other people, um, those areas where we feel our most alone, 
Um, and I think that's at least what I'm noticing, like with my friends, my clients is that those wounds are really coming up full force in like waves at this point in time. Um, and again, you know, it's all related to everything. Like our society kind of, uh, I think social media and things like that can help to connect us, but it also increases our senses of isolation in some ways. But that chironic wound in Pisces is like asking us, okay, great. Like what is it that's made, not great. What is it that has made you feel separate? What is it that has made you feel alone? And how can you move those feelings through your emotional body? That's the Pisces um, to get rid of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Before Chiron moves into Aries for yeah. the next however many years. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. And that's a good point because, you know, the high side of Pisces is the ability to transcend something. Um, and that might be a lot of what, you know, why things feel so painful right now is mm-hmm. we have to transcend these issues. And then we work into another whole thing where we're looking at our uh, the power of the self and, uh, you know, wounding around assertion and things along those lines or how we put our energy out there. Uh, which Chiron is about to move into Aries in a couple of weeks here. And I'm, I'm excited to do an episode on it because I feel like Chiron needs an episode. But to liken it back to Jupiter conjunct Neptune in Aquarius with Chiron conjunct there back in 2009 and what started this Jupiter-Neptune cycle, um, to me, I really spoke of a kind of a collective wounding that you know needed to be addressed but also because Chiron is also associated with being the maverick, you know, he has great wisdom. He's, he's, I think we're going to see a lot of maverick uh, Chiron when we get into Aries happen here. Um, so, but the maverick is willing to step outside and kind of be the first to do something. Um, and so I'm hoping, it, hoping because Jupiter and Neptune are both very creative, imaginative energies. Like we need those things in order to help bring the Saturn and be like, okay, well, I have this vision. Now I got to, you know, do the work. Um, right. So I'm just hoping that we are going to be inspired to kind of be this maverick for the collective, uh, for whatever that looks like. If it's our personal thing, if it's getting together with others. But either way, there kind of has to be that energy for us to, uh, you know, do something about a lot of the issues that are mm-hmm. upon us. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So there was kind of that. So uh, just a say real quick, because I kind of wrote it down, because we have, you know, these major outer planets, and they're anywhere from Jupiter to Pluto, you know, they're past that, that asteroid belt area. Um, And so we have Jupiter and Saturn, which is in a waning crescent. We have Jupiter and Uranus, which is in a waning gibbous. That's kind of like one of the biggest uh, still moving uh, cycles, but still it's waning. Jupiter and Neptune are in a last quarter position. You know, this is also waning. Uh, Jupiter and Pluto are in a waning crescent. Saturn and Uranus are in a waning gibbous and are going to be at a last quarter in 2021. Saturn, Neptune, last quarter. Saturn, Pluto, waning crescent. So you can see that we all these planetary energies are on the wrapping up kind of side of things um, mm-hmm. to rebirth anew. And I think a lot of that is tapping into the idea of the paradigm shift me. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's that, you know, so that waning energy is so much about letting go of the old, um, sometimes by choice, sometimes not, and moving into something different. And I tend to think of the outer planets as generational signatures, right? So they, they move slowly enough that they are in similar placements for anyone born, you know, 
in a given period of time. Um, and as such, they kind of reflect those longer trends of society. And that makes them really cool because you can look back through history and see how these cycles played out then, right? Not to like predict concretely what's going to happen with all of this, but like what are the themes going to be at the emotional and spiritual and societal levels? Um, and so in that sense, I think, you know, for people who are tuned into astrology, it's an incredible tool for understanding what their place is in that greater cycle of like letting go and transitioning and um, surrendering and then moving forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's all up there. <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty much sums it up rather nicely. Um, and it's interesting, especially when you say, you know, look back because... Much of what we're talking, much of the paradigm I think that is happening here, the shift is really the Saturn Pluto uh, conjunction. And that's going to be talked about by astrologers all year long. And next year, you won't be able to get enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, the last time it made a conjunction in 81, uh, it was in, in Libra. So, you know, if we go back to the last time Saturn and Pluto met in Capricorn, it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it is a long time. It was um, in, I want to say, it was in, it was on January 3rd, 1518, if you're around then. Um, of course. <laughs> so if, you, if you can remember back uh, to the January of 1518 at four degrees Capricorn um, is when it happened. And two things of note, I'll see what you think about this, that I noticed that happened. One, that, what that happened right before the site, this conjunction hit. And so we're kind of in this time period now. Mm -hmm. And that was Martin Luther putting his 95 thesis on the wall of the church to be like, you know what, Catholic church, you can't sell salvation any longer. Mm -hmm. And so I found that fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, and that brought about a whole new division of, uh, you know, the church and Christianity. And... And it was a challenge too, but it was the systematic old way that was being challenged. And so what do you think about that as far as <laughs> what brings to mind? Um, I mean, it's interesting and it, it actually sounds a little bit more expansive than I usually give this credit for. I mean, it has that similar theme of like breaking down something old, right? Like mm -hmm. bringing in a new idea. Um, when I think of these cycles, the cycle of Pluto and Saturn specifically, I think of um, a chapter in Cosmos and Psyche called Crisis and Contraction, right? That's the like name that he gives that particular cycle. And so in terms of like Martin Luther, I mean, what, what, I'm not familiar enough with that point in history. Like what was the general response to that? Yeah. Do you know? Well, so basically what had happened is he, well, he was just fed up because he had like a more Puritan kind of side to him. And it was like, you oh, can't, you, you know, and let me keep in mind because uh, this conjunction happened at four degrees Capricorn. So as it, it the cycle waned to the conjunction like it is doing now, it was still in late degrees of Sagittarius. So there is that Jupiterian flavor to kind of what we're talking about mm -hmm. now, but there's still that push to what is uh, going to be kind of rebirth. And he just, you know, the, the church was just really overstepping their boundaries. It didn't matter what you did. As long as you gave them money, <laughs> they would give you that salvation. Mm -hmm. And so... I, 
what he ended up doing is he made, you know, this list of questions. And I think there was like two questions that were like the main questions and then all the other questions, <laughs> the other 93 were like details of that. Um, but, you know, it, it was essentially a challenge to this system that had gotten so big and was so out of integrity with itself. And I think that's a very Capricornian thing. It's like, how can you, you know, preach uh, these kind of Christian values, uh, you know, if we're looking at, well, actually that was Catholic values because I think the Christianity part actually melded it. Not like I'm a part of any of it, so I can't speak on too much authority here. But I think that was kind of the divide to, you know, go from a Catholic to a kind of Christian. Um, so he's just basically contesting the system that was no longer working and was not in integrity with itself um, and really wasn't spiritual whatsoever. It was like going against everything that he thought the church should be. And I also find it interesting as a little astro tidbit that uh, when he put his list on the door, do you know where Jupiter was? <laughs> In, in Virgo, <laughs> oh. <a> list. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yes, it's cute. I love uh, that. But so, you know, that was kind of like, but that created a big stir, you know, going mm -hmm. forward. And it's, it, it, these are the types of moments I think we're going to see within this year where people start to come out and they have these, um, uh, you know, contesting the power and, you know, contesting the systems and what's wrong with it and how we need to, you know, revise it in some way. Um, yeah. I mean, this, uh, this is like a half-baked thought I'm having. So pardon my out loud process here, but you know, you <laughs> said, you said the words like they were, you know, just give us money and you'll get salvation. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me that echoes forward to now, because there is a lot of this, like, okay, what are the Capricorn rules? Like you go to work and you pay your taxes and that's how you attain, you know, salvation, which might look like, uh, you know, a house with a picket fence, although that's changing. Um, and so there is that kind of echo there to, you know, I know when I'm paying my taxes, I'm like, wait, what is this money going for? Because I don't know if it's any longer in, in, in alignment with what I think like sell, quote unquote salvation looks like, right? So it is, I mean, Capricorn is so much about that. Like what is, what are the social, what does the social ladder look like? And what are the social contracts we have? Um, and there always comes a point when those run their course and have to shift. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, part of that Saturn co-rulership with Aquarius in the traditional system. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we can see now that things aren't quite working the way they once did. Uh, how do we, you know, have some perspective and look forward to the future and see how things need to be shifted mm -hmm. and like where we want them to go um, based yeah. on our values? No, that, that's a great point. And as you were saying that, you know, what came to mind was the idea of blatancy. Um, because that was the thing with Martin Luther is like, it just got so blatant that what they were doing was wrong. Like they were not trying to hide anything. And that's what we're seeing here a lot. Yeah. It's like, no one's trying to hide anything anymore. Like, mm -hmm. and, and one of the things and to like in what you were saying with just the hierarchy in general, uh, we see that money talks, right? That, that's, that's who has the power. You got money. You have power and, you know, it's kind of always been that way in some way or another, but we are like reaching a capitalistic threshold of some sort right. that is taking place. And so there is that idea of blatancy that is coming out now. And 
to segue into another key part of that Saturn-Pluto cycle back in the 1500s, you know, it's a long time ago, but really that's the only reference we have of this planetary energy working together. Um, and I think you're going to like this, is, is that, or find it interesting, maybe not like it. Um, <laughs> But after, you know, after the conjunction was made, uh, a handful of years, so keep in mind the conjunction was made, Saturn-Pluto, time had to pass. So we're looking in the future here. But that is when uh, Machiavelli did, wrote The Prince, um, hmm. which is all based on, you know, Machiavellian themes are about cunning, being able to scheme, being unscrupulous, um, you know, being able to manipulate, deceive, or exploit others to achieve your goals. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that now. Um, and th- these are types of things that either are going to kind of maybe be nipped, not nipped in the bud, because this is a very complicated <laughs> issue. Um, the bud has bloomed. The bud, the bud has more than bloomed. Um, and so I'm wondering, maybe not propelling that same idea forward, but if these types of concepts that were originally birthed within this last cycle so long ago are going to be looked at in, in almost like a karmic way. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully speaking, what's coming to my mind as you're talking about that is the... Saturn-Pluto conjunct the south node is a very karmic aspect and it's conjunct the south node of Pluto itself as well. So we're bringing in the lunar nodes and the Plutonian nodes. Um, And so what I have been wondering about is like, okay, so we have that kind of like reckoning feeling like, okay, what is the context? How do we stop blaming people? How do we all just kind of like accept responsibility? It's like that whole... Um, you're not responsible for the harm that was caused for you, but you're responsible for healing it. And that brings us into the Cancer North Node, Mm. right? So that's the Cancer North Node. That's been there since November. It's an 18-month cycle, but it gives us a chance to take um, or to bring in our memories, cellular memories, you know, from memories from like the stories of our ancestors of matrilineal ways of knowing. And it's not in a way that makes us like need to go back to you know, old times, primitive times or whatever, when matrilineal um, civilizations existed, but just remembering that, right? Like the power of nourishment, the power of stopping when your body's tired rather than pushing yourself through another 80-hour work week, right? There's a lot of bodies on the earth right now that are not made to just be producing over and over again, or are not made to be sitting behind a desk. You know, mine's one of those sitting behind a desk, just kind of like moving your fingers on a keyboard. Um, And again, like our social contract kind of says like, unless you're willing to buy into that, um, you are not an adult or you are not a worthwhile person or you should feel guilty about who you are. Right. And so the kind of the cancer polarity or the cancer medicine to that overload of Capricorn is very much like remembering that self-parenting isn't about like guilting your child into doing the right thing. It's about holding space for like all ways that you express yourself and your limitations or, you know, just like your body's natural stop points. Mm. Right. And so then it's like applying that back to the earth again, like the earth has reached some natural stop points. It can't keep doing what it's, what we're asking it to do. Right. And it's not because the earth is a failure. It's because our system (laughs) has to change. (laughs) That's hilarious. Earth, you have failed. You have failed us. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Which I mean, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. But really, funny, not funny. <laughs> but really, what has happened is we have failed the planet, and um, that's. You know, and to bring Richard back up again, because bless his heart, he loves to send me his uh, inspired thoughts that come through to him. And I appreciate that because they're, they're wonderful thoughts sometimes. Aww. It brings things to my attention that, uh, in a new way. And one of the things he was talking about um, was the sixth extinction. I didn't know that it had a name or anything like mm. that. But basically what he was saying was the fact that um, our, you know, us as people and the way that we're running the planet, um, not only with how we use its resources, but really our population. And I know that's a touchy subject because all lives matter, right? Well, you know, there's a lot of lives out there. <laughs> and we are, you know, it's hard to sustain that much. And through trying to sustain so many people, we are essentially creating creating really dangerous conditions for, you know, the birds, the animals, the trees, everything that makes this planet so amazing. You know, what, anytime you go to like a national park, which national parks, don't get me started, they're (laughs) under the fire right now. Um, But when have you not been in nature and just been completely awed by its magnificence, you know? Mm -hmm. And essentially we have created systems that is destroying that. And we are only looking out for ourselves. Um, and yes, soapbox, I'll get down. But you know, well, and that's one of the that's one of the myths or paradigms, right? So that would be the myth of progress. Um, that it is our divine right to conquer nature, to conquer the wild, to use it as resources, to see ourselves as separate from it and able to control it. Um, and that narrative or that myth or that paradigm has has significantly run its course in ways that could quite literally knock us out. Um, if we don't course correct. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's a great point because, and that's the thing is like coming back to blatancy, you know, it it has to be blatant and in front of our faces in order for us to do things of something about it. And, and part of what I was thinking about Jupiter squaring Neptune this year is, and especially with the sextile coming in from Saturn is where's the limit. Are we going to push far enough to where to we we have to push it like just too far in order to even understand where the limit was it's like you know <laughs> right and that's part of that i mean so sixth mass extinction like we're in it we have yeah. you know i know that there's a few people left who are debating whether or not it's human caused um <laughs> but regardless like we have to stop debating those things and just say like it's happening like this is what's happening. So what are we going to do about it? And I think that part of the like shadow of the Capricorn cancel polarity is that like victimization and flinging blame and like it's your fault and it's not my fault to clear it up and just saying like, okay, as a species, we have the consciousness to just say, we have to stop looking at like whose fault it is and what's causing it and just be adults and say, this is what's happening. Yes. (laughs) Now what are we going to do about it? And it makes me think of like one of my, one of my favorite things about the past life regression work that I do is that, you know, people sometimes will go into lifetimes or stories where they are perpetrators, right? Like in this worldview, like we all have perpetrator lifetimes, we all have victim lifetimes and the power of redemption is incredible. The power of like all beings, all things to kind of like, quote unquote, return to the light is profound. Mm. And like our ability to hold space for people who are really struggling with like things that they might have done that they 
feel guilty or shameful about and just say like, it's okay. Like the best you can do now is not do that anymore. Yeah. Right. So, and that is, again, that's that self-parenting, like the mothering and the fathering saying, yeah, you're right. That was a really effed up thing that you did. Um, Now let's move forward together because that's the best we can do. Like if we're going to get ourselves out of this mess, we have to move forward together. And I think that that's like in that process, then we can move through the grief and we can move through the guilt and shame and then create something together. And that's where that Jupiter-Neptune square can be really incredible because it is like bringing in the vision and it's bringing in the dream and it's bringing in the beliefs and allowing us to get that spark of what could come next. Mm. And that vision can be incredible medicine for these times when we get kind of like bowled over by all the atrocities going on. It's like, okay, well, what is, what am I building towards? Mm. What is the future that I want to create with these other people around me? Yes. You know, what, what am I holding faith for within this, you know, because if there's, if the world is going to shit, <laughs> well, I like how Amanda's like, can I cuss? And I'm like, oh, I hardly ever cuss, but the one who cuss. <laughs> so if the world's going to shit, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. Anyways, one of the things I wanted to say though, in response to what you're saying is, uh, all right, Simone Butler, who was on last week, she had had a post the other day where it said, the past is in your head. The future is in your hands. And yeah. to go back to the, the blaming, you know, what good does it do to blame anybody, you know? And I, I find my, I'm conditioned to this as well. I come from a family of blamers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like, just, it's always someone else's problem or, mm-hmm. you know, how we got there. And as a Capricorn moon, there is some blaming tendency that can happen. But I've really come to terms with that myself. And every time I find myself in that space, I'm like, what good does that do? Mm-hmm. What matters? What is that accomplishing by having mm-hmm. my energy go to this pointing of a finger to something? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than, you know, then, then I'm resting on my own laurels and not doing anything about it. Uh, and I'm just part of the problem. And so, yes. Well, yes. I think that's part of the, <laughs> part of the shadow uh, cancer as well as getting stuck in that subjective emotional place. Mm. Right? Yes. Like, and so then it's pulling yourself out and being like, all right, this isn't getting anything done. It's, it's time to move on. Yeah, it's time to move on. And it certainly is. And that's why we're talking about paradigm, 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 <laughs> paradigm <laughs> shifts, uh, paradigm shifts, because it is time to move on. And that is a lot of what the energy is really cultivating uh, in this year, in the next year. And um, this little kind of three-year time period and going forth from there. And so do we want to be caught in the past? Do we want to be in the past in our head or do we want to have the future in our hands and be part of something good, I guess is the question. Oh, I love how easy that sounds. No, oh, I know. Isn't that... <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. You know, it's so funny too because another thing with Capricorn, especially as I said that, is the idea of responsibility mm-hmm. and what we take responsibility for. Um, and, you know, it'd probably be a lot easier if we're, you know, uh, we just cultivated this list. Go back to my Virgo list. Uh, Amanda's got some Virgo as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're just gave a list of people. Okay, here's what you do, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that there isn't that clear dividing line or that agenda or a new system or what have you. And that is where, you know, the powerlessness can be felt because we just don't know what to do. Right. And it takes a lot of bravery to engage from that place. And that's why I think 
That's one of the reasons astrology is such a profound healing tool because it really does give people access to this like really complex way of knowing themselves so that they can kind of reclaim their power and heal themselves because that, you know, looking to outside healers um, is a little bit old paradigm. Like I think there's always room for like guides and supports, right? But astrology gives us this way to kind of like take the power back and say like, this is what Mars and Virgo means to me. And this is how it feels in my body. And this is how I'm going to like relate to it. Or this is... This is how I react during the waning gibbous moon. And so I'm going to prepare for it that way. And I honestly can't remember what this tangent I'm on started with. But it <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Going somewhere nice. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> I have Mercury and Pisces. Sometimes it just goes off. Oh, somewhere. yes. No, that can definitely... Um, but there's just... There's magic that comes out of Mercury and Pisces, though, too. I know it's like considered in its detriment and fall. You get both. You get both detriment and fall. Um, but there are just there's the tapping in to these. It's bigger, poetry. It is. It is mm-hmm. it's poetry at work, basically. Yeah. Um, so yes, it, it feels right to allow yourself that um, conscious streaming. I guess is what I'm looking for. Great. Thank you for your validation. <laughs> Not that you needed it, but it's it's good. Um, so I guess as we wrap up this, you know, our little paradigm shift that we are essentially embarking on. Uh, this isn't today. This is <laughs> going to be going on. You know, how do we how do we positively attack this? Um, or attack might not be the right word, but you know, po- like positive <laughs> mindset. You know, how can we view this shift as an opportunity uh, rather than kind of lamenting what was? Do you have any advice in that area? Yeah. Um... I think that, you know, finding communities of like-minded folks, communities of people who are also trying to engage is really helpful. Um, The internet makes that incredibly possible. Things like podcasts, um, really embracing times when we feel like celebrating, even if they're short. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I think astrology is incredible because it gives us that, like that view of the overarching cycles. And so like this Sunday for the, uh, lunar eclipse, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be celebrating what's happened since February of 2017 for this, um, Leo Aquarius eclipse cycle that's been going on. And just like looking at my life and being like, all right, here are my successes. Here are the things that were ridiculous. I'm going to laugh at them. Um, there are good things that are happening in the world. And I, I know a couple of people who actively seek out those news stories. Um, and that's a really fantastic thing. And I, of course, can't think of any at this moment in time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I also look at like young people who are coming into positions of power. Yeah, like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I'm like, give me, let me see those girl, that girl's tweets. That makes me happy. That's super positive. People who aren't afraid to like speak their truth and who aren't really swayed by the conventions of traditional politics. Um, people who are coming out at younger and younger ages um, in ways that seem really freeing and like it seems like they feel really comfortable to be themselves. Um, there is a lot of change that's happening, but it makes me think of that quote that's something like, just because the shadows seem darker, it's only because the light's getting brighter. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that. I'm like, I'm hoping that the light is good. <laughs> I, think, I think it is. It's just, you know, to use the old saying, it's always darkest before the dawn, right? <laughs> um, and so I find Alexandria a fascinating character in our times. And I do want to share why we're on here, and you might find this interesting as well, is um, uh, a fellow astrologer named Arthur. I can't remember his last name right now, but he he contacted her and was able to get her birth info. Um, which a lot of us astrologers are wanting to look at. And so if you want to look up uh, Alexandria, uh, uh, how do I, Ocasio-Cortez? Ocasio. Mm Ocasio-Cortez. She was born October 13th, 1989. Makes me feel so old. And and she was born at 11.50 a.m. in New York, New York. So if you want to dive in that chart like I did, it, it... so much symbolism. It's, mm-hmm. It came alive the second I drew it up. So I hope every, everybody else can uh, delight in that as well. I mean, that reminds me that I think another really positive thing, at least as far as I'm concerned, is the kind of like re-emergence of astrology for millennials and younger, mm. right? Like they're really seeking out this tool of understanding themselves and understanding the world. And I know that I'm getting them coming to my classes in droves. And I mean, I'm kind of a millennial. I'm right on the border. Um, but people are starting to seek meaning again, right? I think mm-hmm. there was kind of that, at least in my circles, there's been that swing of like, there's so much harm that has been caused by monotheistic religions and people just kind of like polarizing to the opposite end of the spectrum. And we live in a very like mechanistic universe. And people starting to say like, hey, I think it's okay to orient to the universe as if it were connected. Um, I think it's okay to re-establish a connection with Ayurveda or yoga or astrology or tarot or witchiness or whatever that looks like. And I think that's a really magical turn of events. Mm, I love that point because, well, one of the things, I think that's a lot of Neptune and Pisces and why we kind of get more of a spiritual craze. but I love that in relation to all the Capricorn energy, the South Node there in this conjunction that's about to take place. Because if we think about Capricorn and we, we play back into the system, because astrology is a system. Essentially, mm-hmm. we're using tools to come to conclusions about something. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Capricorn is all about the you know tradition and the past as well. So it's almost like we're bringing these like, older, you know, older ways of viewing the world and connecting with the energy that is, well, granted it was reserved for more kingly type of people. Like not everyone, you know, the astrologer wasn't working for the common man. <laughs> he was, right. he was uh, plotting the battle. Uh, right. But, but still these are these older tools that are now coming back and we see the validity in them. And also why we see uh, an upsurgence of traditional astrology, which I am very much a part of. i that's what I align to most. Um, and uh, that's exciting to see come back too, because it's all of a sudden, you know, these th- ancient tools that have just been buried for, you know, a couple thousands of years are now coming back for us to, you know, revisit these systems. And I think that's a wonderful way of kind of getting the best of, you know, both worlds. <laughs> totally. And I think that like conversations that I'm seeing in the astrological community about like the different kinds of astrology and how we can all work together and like the level of scholarship and integrity that's brought to astrology conferences and the presentations people are giving. But also like for me, it's 
seeing an uptick of queer astrology and embodied and experiential forms of astrology um, that, again, are giving people who want to access to this tool where they can like relate it to their own personal experience and use mm-hmm. it to orient rather than like going to an astrologer to have the astrologer tell them what is going to happen to them. Yeah. And so yeah. it's that reclaiming power in those ways helps people feel empowered to actually embody the change. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's a great point because whether you're doing it yourself or you're going to an astrologer, we're not telling you necessarily what's going to, you know, there, there's not that specificity there. And a lot of people uh, might look for that. And, um, and yes, so it's good to have those tools. It's good to have these new viewpoints of things. You know, that's a very Aquarian concept is being able to uh, have these different viewpoints to, you know, frame uh, this discipline. And I think it's like just one of the best times that probably has ever existed for this art. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Me too. Yeah. So, all right, Amanda. Well, we had such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad Thanks you joined. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, before we go here, you need to tell people where they can find you, what you got going on, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I can be found on the internet at aquarianspirals.com. Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash aquarianspirals. And I do everything from you know new and full moon guidance to options for um, personalized guidance. Um, in the Seattle area, I do Astro Circles on fourth Tuesdays, which is a way to kind of like come together people of all levels of knowledge and talk about a topic. Um, I do online classes. I'll probably be doing a round of tools for empaths in the spring. Um, and I love hearing from people. So that's, <laughs> that's that. So this Aquarius says, hit her up. She wants yeah. to hear from you. <laughs> I love it. And if, in case you didn't catch any of that, you know, and you're on the go, uh, I'll have that on my blog post as well. So you're able to easily connect with Amanda. So where can you find me if you don't know where I am? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, and like Amanda, I have that Patreon page where I offer my moon horoscopes and also my tarot subscription there. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and I have this new thing that I have a tip jar in case anybody is like, oh, I really got something from this today. I would like to show appreciation. <laughs> that now exists on my front page of my website as well. Um, and of course, you know, the how things get out there in the world and the beauty of media, social media is it's about sharing. So if you like what you hear today, you know, share it with a friend, get it out there, leave a nice review on iTunes, etc. That all helps uh, myself and Amanda be seen more. Um, all right. I think that was my spiel. So I will uh, formally bid you adieu, Amanda. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, everyone. And thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.